Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you uh, here. Have you got your Christmas shopping all done and wrapped up and ready to go? Yeah, well, I don't. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I don't know why I brought that up. I, just, I think listening to the Christmas music back there, I was kind of getting into the Christmas mood and then it's just like, oh yeah, I'm not ready for Christmas uh, yet, right? Um, but uh, uh, great to have you all here. And, and this morning, uh, I want to talk about the Christmas uh, story some. And uh, Ryan led off uh, this uh, series Christmas uh, with. And uh, I want to pick up this morning with the Christmas story. And I want you to think about uh, the kind of invitation that comes with the, with the Christmas story itself. There, there's something about it that, that holds this invitation. And, and we see different examples of this uh, in the Christmas story. And in uh, preparing this uh, and just thinking about the Christmas season and, and how it hits us and stuff, it reminded me of a time uh, a, a while back when I went on a conference, a church conference by myself, which typically, uh, you know, when you go like, and you know, y'all probably don't, you know, frequent church conferences uh, too often, but as a pastor, like that's kind of something we do for, uh, to, for training and insight and stuff. And typically we go with a group, there'd be a group of staff or uh, sometimes a small group, uh, like with uh, some volunteers or something like that. And on this particular one, uh, I just, the need wasn't there to take a whole group. It was me just uh, kind of going uh, to initially uh, learn some things. And so I went by myself. And when I got there, of course, uh, most of the people that were there were in groups already, right? From their church doing whatever. And I was totally used to that. And and there was even a part of it that was kind of fun, kind of being by myself and learning this uh, stuff and getting to meet people from, uh, you know, other churches from all over the country and this sort of thing. And then that n first night uh, we had dinner and the conference was being held on a college campus over in California. And so I showed up for the dinner and it was just in the cafeteria there at the college. And I had the strangest experience uh, at dinner, right? I went and got my food and then I step into the cafeteria and I'm all by myself. And you know, uh, you can go into a coffee shop, right? And sit down by yourself and no one thinks anything of it. There are certain restaurants you can go to and you just sit down and we're used to that sort of thing. But there was something about walking into like a cafeteria, right? With the long skinny tables. You remember, remember back in high school or middle school and right and everyone had their group and you had like your table that you sat at or whatever i walked in there and it's not like i was unaware that i was by myself like i showed up and i knew i was by myself but i really hadn't felt it yet but i walked in there i've got my little tray right like back in high school and I could just see all the other church groups that were in their groups with their people sitting together. And it was just like, ah, I, don't, I don't have my people here. I don't have my group. And, and I felt a little alone in that moment. And, and it wasn't like the end of the world, but like it just, I felt it because of like the situation I was in. And I remember like, tentatively walking in there, like, where am I going to pick a place to sit down? And realizing any place I go and sit down, I'm gonna sit down next to like somebody and, and it will have this awkward moment where like, you know, I know I'm not part of your group, I'm just my own group tonight, right? Um, and I found myself wishing that someone would just invite me 
to sit with them, right? Like, and not like they had to, and not like I expected, you know, so it's just like, just, right? I'm just a human. And it's just like, it'd be so nice if someone said, hey, I don't remember your name even, but I, we met earlier and, and just like, he seems like he's by himself because there's no one else with him. You want to sit with us? Like I would have just loved that, right? And, and no one did. And again, I'm, it's, I'm not blaming. I'm not saying, what, what a lousy group. You know, it's just, I wished for something and it wasn't there, right? And, and I bring this story up because I think there's something about it that we all relate to when it comes to the Christmas season. You know, there's something about the Christmas season. There, there's this deep nostalgia. There's these solemn moments that are so relational around Christmas, right? We, we think about relationships at Christmas time. And it's like when the Christmas season comes, maybe some of those relational disconnects, moments where we feel alone for whatever reason, um, that we can avoid throughout the year or we don't notice throughout the year. Have you ever noticed that Christmas time has you noticing those more, right? E even if you have good community around you, maybe, maybe there's a, a close friend and that close friend uh, moved to a different state or something and you just, you, you feel their absence more. Maybe, maybe it's just, it's as, it's as simple as your kids grew up and they're thriving and they've got their own families now and they live someplace else. And it's just like, you know, Christmas with no kids or grandkids this year on Christmas morning, you just, you feel it differently. Maybe there's been a divorce in your family or even in your marriage and, and you're navigating it for the first time and, and you just, you feel it. And you wish, right, that in some way there was an invitation, something that would connect you. Like we, we all feel uh, that in this. Um, and at Christmas time, it, it, it can hit us hard. But I don't want us to miss that it is within the very Christmas story, right? That there's this beautiful kind of hope. Even in a season where we would feel that more, Right, the Christmas story is this 2,000 year old story of the truth of how God sent his son Jesus Christ into this world that is a kind of invitation that holds this beauty and this hope for a kind of connection, a kind of withness that we all long for. In fact, I'll even say there is a kind of withness that every human being, no matter what they believe about God, longs for and needs in their own soul. And the Christmas story is the story of the invitation and the heart of God that has that. And I hope as I walk through this message this morning that we'd all just come away from this and just say, I, I, I don't wanna miss it. I don't wanna miss the invitation that is held uh, within the Christmas story because I think we live in a world where there are a lot of people that haven't gotten that invitation yet or a lot of people looking for that invitation in one way or another. And so uh, we're gonna look at part of the Christmas story uh, this morning out of the book of Luke. So if you want to uh, turn to a Luke, um, we're gonna be in Luke chapter two. And what I wanna do specifically here in Luke chapter two is um, 
Look at a couple of invitations. There's two examples of a kind of invitation that goes out in Luke 2. And, and something different happens with each of those. And that's what I want to look at because I think there's something for us to glean out of, the, out of these two examples of invitations so that we don't miss the invitation, the beauty and the glory of what Christmas is really uh, all about. So um, let's look at the first kind of invitation uh, that is here that, that uh, is a little bit more subtle, but let's start with uh, verse three. Verse four, start with verse four. It says this, so Joseph uh, also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Right? And like, kind of, this is kind of the heart of that classic Christmas story that, out of scripture that we read and have heard uh, so many uh, times in there. And what I want you to notice is there's a kind of assumed invitation that occurs uh, here with this, because this is, uh, this is taking place uh, uh, where Joseph's relatives would have been because of this census. Uh, everyone had to uh, travel to their uh, their ancestral uh, home. And so uh, they would have been at a home where uh, Joseph had extended relatives. But I want you to think about the birth of a child because th there's something unique around the birth of a child that we experience in our world today that's just been experienced in culture after culture after culture. You know, uh, there are certain people we would expect to be there present around that event of the birth of a child. There are certain people that we would expect that would hear about the birth of a child first, uh, right? Like I think about like when my own children uh, were born, in particular, like my first uh, child was born and both of our kids were born uh, by cesarean as well. And I think about that and who was there and who got invited. Uh, remember last week, Ryan uh, talked a little bit about this uh, when one of his kids was born by cesarean uh, as well. Remember he talked about like the sheet between uh, he and Amber. And this will date me a, a little bit as I kind of tell my story here. But you know, uh, when uh, our first uh, child Chandler was born, uh, they didn't have any sheet in the hospital. You know, there was no sheet there. It just, uh, they just wanted me to wash my hands and wear a shower cap, I think were the, like, the only requirements uh, at that time, right? And, and of course, as the dad, right? I, you know, it would be expected. No one would be surprised that I would be there. Everyone would expect that I was there. In fact, when I went for the birth of our first child, um, not only was there not a sheet, uh, you know, you know to, to block the view, I brought in a camcorder, right? I filmed the whole thing. Yeah, some of you are laughing, mostly women going, yeah, that was such a bad idea. And some of you are like, what's a camcorder? Well, you're just a lot younger than me, right? Yeah, this is back in the, no smartphones, no, right? I had the, you know, the camcorder where it locks around your hand and you're just like, mm, like wow, honey, you won't believe what this looks like. You know, um, something happened to that film though. I don't know. I think Angie melted it in the microwave or burned it or just something, but we just don't have it anymore. Hmm. Um, Cause she knows I'd probably want to show it on a Sunday or something like that, right? Um, 
So, you know, you know, Chandler is born and like, and everyone would expect me to be there. And you know, you know who else is there? And you're not going to be shocked by this, right? Like Angie's mom was there and her dad was there. My parents, they were just like right out the door and they were waiting with bated breath. And there were future, uh, you know, uh, aunts and uncles that were, you know, waiting for their first nephew to be born. There was so much excited. And there were some really close friends of ours that were waiting uh, there for this whole thing. I remember, and, and as you tell the stories, all those, those names and those people, they all come out. Like uh, Chandler got his first, I think it was a vitamin K shot. And if you're a doctor or nurse, you, you know whether I'm like completely wrong or right on this, but I think that's what it was. And my mom was watching Chandler through the glass. You know, he was in like the cute little crib that, you know, and they have the display uh, glass as if, you know, they're in a, a, a you know, at a mall in front of, you know, whatever. And the nurse walks up and gives him this shot in his leg. And of course, Chandler's like, ah, screams. And the look on my mom, right? It's a good thing that was like safety glass with all those wires in it. Cause I think my mom was ready to come through the glass and strangle the nurse uh, in that moment for hurting her grandchild, right? <laughs> just, just like, and I think about all those stories and the people that were there and involved in everything, right? Think about, Think about moments where there was a birth that was in your family or a really close friend, right? Who was there? Was it an honor when you got to be invited to be there or when you were like one of the first people to hear about it, right? So I want you to think about this story that Luke tells us. Because I think Luke very intentionally crafts this story in a way to help us understand some of the subtleties that would be really important in this. For example, think about this question for a moment, right? Um, 2,000 years ago, you know, child being born, you know, um, who was there that actually took that brand new born baby Jesus right after he is born and cleans him up and wraps him up and swaddles him up, right? And then hands him to Mary, the mom. Who does that? Hmm, no one, right? Text says it's actually Mary who does that. And that's a little odd, isn't it? Right? Because if you were there, if that was your grandchild, if that was your sister giving birth, right? You like, and like, right? And all of a sudden you realize, they're at Joseph's extended family's home, right? We, we know that. And yet Luke very carefully crafts this story. And, and like there was a home filled with Joseph's relatives, either in the next room or right next door or like somewhere in proximity. But there's a kind of absence that we feel, isn't there? Isn't that interesting? Or think about this in this moment right, uh, after some period of time that, you know, Mary and Joseph have held this uh, child, you know, um, and Mary puts, you know, Jesus down, right? Where does Mary put Jesus, you know, on a couch or a chair or a crib or, you know, you know they had furniture in the first century, okay? Not a lot, but they had it. And Luke says, and, and she had to lay him in a manger in a trough where animals would have been eating out of, right? Like 
there's this oddity to it, you know? I often wondered, like, so where was Joseph in all of this? Eh, he was probably passed out, you know, in the hay someplace. Yeah. <laughs> just, you're gonna have to do this yourself, Mary. I've got tunnel vision and I, you know. And of course, Luke ends this little section with these very poignant words, right? That this had to be done because there was no room in the inn. And that Greek word that uh, Luke uses for an inn isn't describing like a Motel 6. It, it's, it's, not a, it's not a motel someplace else. It's actually describing a, a room that would have been a common room within homes that, that doubled as like, it would have been like what we think of as maybe a living room, but it was also a kind of living space that was also, had an express use as being um, like a guest room. And, and isn't it odd that like out of all the relatives that wouldn't get to use the guest room, it's the, it's the young pregnant mom who actually gives birth to a baby. Like it's, you just feel the relational disconnect, don't you? And yet we all would have expected in normal circumstances that that there would have been moms and aunts and like, like, like there would have been a natural invitation that they would have been a part of it. We would have expected that. And yet it's absent in this. And, and this is the part where I think Luke is trying to say to us something here, that, that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God is being born into, is being birthed into this world. Like this is, this is an extraordinary moment in history. And it gets missed by some people that we might have expected could have picked up on this. And, and I don't want to throw Joseph's family under the bus like, like they're some terrible, you know, mean people. And they're just like, just understand that an invitation like this can be missed. I think, I think that's the takeaway in this it, for lots of reasons. I, you know, uh, probably part of what was going on in all of this is Mary and Joseph aren't married yet and they're having a child and that was kind of scandalous in this culture. And you can just see them uh, like, again, like how do we handle this? How, how, how do we do this in a moral way? What is right? What is okay? And you can just see them getting lost in this. But in getting lost and trying to do the right thing, they miss the greater thing, don't they? They, they miss the beauty of what this is all about in this. And I think about this, and maybe in our own way, there are moments where we can miss the invitation of Christmas. We, we miss the simple invitation that God wants to be with us, that he wants good things for us, that he has invited us to have life and relationship with him. We can miss it uh, right in the simplest of ways. We can just, uh, we can miss it uh, because we get uh, too wrapped up in what people uh, might think. We get uh, uh, wrapped up in, in, in trying to do the right thing uh, to the point that it becomes more about that than maybe what God is saying to us or doing. We're trying to solve issues on our own. Maybe there's some guilt or some shame, or you just feel like, man, I'm just like, until I get this part of my life, you know, taken care of, like I, you know, I need to show some, some, some effort in this. And then, then, I'll, then I'll invite God to be a part of that uh, part of my life or something for some help. And the simple thing is we can miss that invitation on a daily basis to do life with God. And I don't want us to miss that. I don't want you to miss that, right? The question we should be asking is, 
something? Is it okay to miss that? Because I think we'd say no. We don't want to miss that simple invitation. There's something so beautiful and so simple about this. The other thing I find in this story is how Luke ends this section, right? And in the very next verse, he goes into, into this other invitation that's gonna be given and, and he creates this striking difference between the two. And it's in the contrast of these two things uh, that, that we see the beauty of this invitation. So look back at uh, verse uh, eight. Right, so he's just finished the verse seven where he says there was no room for them in the end. And then in verse eight, he immediately goes to, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people today. In the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, right? And just this proclamation, like this is the invitation to the whole world, this like savior of the whole world. And what I love here in this story is how God makes sure that these shepherds don't miss that this invitation for the whole world is still for them, right? Look at, look at the next verse, verse 12. This will be a sign to who? You, right? He's a savior to the whole world, but, but to you, because this is for every one of you and even shepherds are not left out. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And Right? So this other invitation goes out to be a part of this amazing moment, that very first Christmas in there. And the striking thing, of course, is in the same way that everyone would have expected um, certain people from Joseph's family, even from Mary's family, to have been a part of this, that, that there would have been like a standing invitation for some of those family members to be there uh, helping with the birth or for sure being right there after the birth and helping to take care of things and celebrating with In the same way that there's kind of a striking absence there, this one, no one would have expected shepherds, strangers, to be invited to be a part of it. Like there's this, like it's kind of like the opposite thing. There's, there's an invitation, like a standing invitation that isn't picked up by this one group of people. And yet there's an invitation that goes out to people. You're just like, what? Like shepherds got invited? Shepherds had angels deliver the invitation? Like that seems like a pretty big deal, right? They get an invitation in this thing. And, and even more striking in this is understand where shepherds, you know, fell in the social order of things in ancient Jerusalem in the first century, right? Because they were way, way down on the rung on this thing, right? Sometimes we have idealized, beautiful ideas of like shepherds that are like perfectly groomed clothing that was freshly washed and they've got their beautiful, you know, hand-carved, uh, you know, staff and washed hair out, you know. You know, it's like a postcard, but you have to understand, Shepherds actually lived out with their sheep outside the city, right? They didn't get to take showers all the time. Shepherds smelled like what they shepherded, 
right? So like no one was excited for them to be around, you know, family gatherings. They weren't often invited uh, to be a part of, of gatherings around the synagogue and stuff. In fact, the very uh, nature of their job made it hard for them to be uh, ritually clean, to even partake in many of, of the activities and festivals and ceremonies um, and gatherings that went on on a regular basis. They not only were they, you know, seen as, you know, lower on the rung, they physically existed in a more separate way outside the city. Like they just weren't the kinds of people that would have been thought of as being included or inviting to things like this. And it's like Luke is wanting us to understand. Even shepherds get invited. Even shepherds get invited. I wonder if there wasn't a part of the shepherds that were like, really? Like, I, like, I, like did you make a mistake? Because like, we're shepherds. Do you really, you know, like, I mean, I, sounds like great news, but like, were you wanting to visit somebody else and give them this news? Because we don't get invited to stuff like this very often in this. Because they would have understood. We don't, we don't measure up to this sort of thing. But the whole notion, right, of of the shepherds being invited is because God is trying to send a message for who gets invited. And it's the whole world, friends, right? There's nothing that says you shouldn't have an invitation to this. And sometimes we can miss the invitation because we see the things that would discount us from God taking notice of our lives. Or we discount the things, like something in our life, there's some reason we discount it for why God would wanna do good or beautiful things or wanna celebrate with us or have life in relationship uh, with us. Because it's like, I don't know that I measure up for the thing that this is really about in this moment. Uh, years ago, uh, I got to meet someone. We kind of became uh, friends. His name is Mike, and he has a really unique job. He restores uh, aircraft. In fact, uh, he uh, builds uh, aircraft and mostly like uh, military style. And so one of the things he was uh, doing was he had just finished up a, uh, a Skyhawk, a carrier-based attack fighter jet, okay? Um, really, really cool. And he had sent, sent pictures to me. I actually went out and got to see this thing. And one day he invites me, he says, you know, we're, we're uh, going through these stages where to get certification on this thing before they can just let anyone go out and fly it. Um, it has to go through all these stages and there's all of these ground tests that they do with it. And then there's some flight tests that they uh, do with it. And the jet had already, uh, was already flight worthy, but before it could be licensed or whatever it was, it had to go through all this time. He says, I want you to come out and be a part of that. You should come out and be a part of the testing of this thing. You'll love it. And I'm thinking, be a part of the testing in it. Like, you know, you understand. See, I don't have a jet pilot certificate on my license because I don't have a, I, I don't even have a pilot's license. I don't fly planes. I've never flown a plane. Like, like why, why, why would I be invited to this? I'm not an aircraft mechanic. I met, some, I met an aircraft mechanic. In fact, uh, someone I know well, uh, Rob, who I didn't realize he was an aircraft mechanic and he was telling me about all this stuff. Like Rob should have gone and been like, like he would have had a purpose to go and do this. I'm not an expert in avionics in this thing, right? I, there's, I'm thinking there's nothing I bring to this whole thing about testing this jet fighter out, right? But he's like, you gotta come, you, you gotta come to this thing. You gotta, and so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll come, I'll show up. And 
And sure enough, they're running all these tests and doing all these things where, you know, they run the jet engines up to a certain thrust amount and they do these tests and they're running it up and down the, the runway at the airport. And then he says, you should get in, climb, climb in, right? And he did, uh, he actually made this a two-seater uh, uh, jet fighter. And I guess Skyhawks, there's not very many two-seater uh, Skyhawk uh, fighter planes out there. If you're a pilot of a Skyhawk fighter plane, you probably know this. You're like, wow, a two-seater, right? So he invites me to get into this plane. I get into this plane and he runs it up and down the, the runway on a couple of these tests. And he says, okay, now you take the controls. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. And some of you are thinking, did you really do that, Glenn? And now you're thinking, were the people of Tucson safe that afternoon? We're like, like, cause you know, the first thought that went through my mind, you know, he's telling me, you know, like there was a, a throttle uh, over here and he described the pedals and there's this stick. And I'm just like, you know, what if I just pull back too much, you know? Cause he was described, I don't know how many pounds of thrust it was, but it's a lot. I pictured it by going, and just like spiraling up like a rocket and, you know, coming down someplace in Tucson or whatever. Um, and, and it was just like, okay, really, Mike? He goes, yeah. Like, okay. And in that moment though, right? I, like, I felt the, like, I, like the only way this happens is because I'm trusting you, right? The only way this happens is you've invited me to do something here. Um, and it's not about what I bring. It's not, a, it's not gonna be about my opinion about what you need to do for this plane. This is an invitation that you've invited me to experience something that you think would just bless me because you're my friend and you've invited me into your life to be a part of this in a way that's just this exciting thing that blessed me. And for me to actually do that in that moment, there really was a moment of like, okay, you're with me in this, right? Like, and he's like, yes, even, you know, we had the flight helmets on and everything and he's going through this whole thing and it became the coolest experience. But part of it was like this step of trust and faith that if I grab a hold of these controls and start doing this stuff, that like what you've described to me, like you know how to describe this to me, but also you've still got control of this thing. And I wonder if there was a part of this that was like that for the shepherds, right? Can you just see the shepherds going, we get invited to this, like we, like we, Shepherds probably couldn't read or write. But shepherds are probably going, you know, we're not theological scholars. We're not rabbis. We can't quote vast amounts of Old Testament scripture. You ask us theological questions, we don't know. And you want us to show up for this? We're not iconic figures of spirituality that if you have us show up at the birth of Christ, it somehow validates to other people what an amazing moment this is, right? The shepherds understood. We show up to this and no one's going on, wow, the shepherds showed up. This must be a big, it's like, we don't, boil. like, what do we bring to this? But here's what I love about the shepherds. They hear this news and it goes on. In fact, I want to just read this to you, right? So they, they go through this whole thing with the angels and everything. And then we pick this up in verse 15, right? The angels leave and it's just the shepherds there. It says in verse 15, when the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
The next verse, they hurried off. They like, it's this step of faith, right? We're just, we got invited. Let's not miss this, right? We might be wrong, but let's, it's just this step of faith. You know, the first thing to not missing God's invitation is just a step of faith to trust the invitation, right? When Mike said, grab a hold of the controls, you can do this, right? There's a, just a moment of faith of like, I, like, will I or will I not do this? And it's the same with God's invitation in this thing, that those shepherds, like, like they just, they take that step of faith. I wonder what it would have been like, right? And, and there's so much we don't know about Joseph's family, but I wonder what it would have been like if they would have said, you know, we've heard Mary and Joseph describe this whole thing. We like, we understand like, you know, a miraculous pregnancy and um, like, uh, you know, I just... I wonder what would have happened if they would have said, okay, what if, what if God's really in this? What if we go over there and we help be a part of this? What if we become a part of the messaging and the hope and the care of this? I wonder what that would have been like for them to have actually experienced what Christmas was really all about. I wonder what that would have done for them. The shepherds got to experience that. They got to show up and see this and take this in. They got to see Jesus when he first came into this world. They got to experience the gravity of what it meant for a God that must have seemed so far off to come and be present with a kind of love and care and tangibility in this world that must have just been overwhelming. That connection, right? That's what as human beings we long for, right? In those moments where we feel that separation, when we feel that aloneness, and, and maybe it's not stark, maybe it's not overwhelming, but I'm telling you, right, we have all experienced the human condition of wanting connection and relationship with one another and ultimately with our God, right? We long for that. There's a part of us that needs that. And Christmas is God saying, and I invite you to have it. But it starts with that simple step of faith. So I wanna just draw application to just how to act on that. Three simple things here. First, to those of you maybe who are here or watching this online, and you've never taken that simple step of saying, I will become a follower of Christ. I will, I, I will trust Christ with my salvation, or I will trust Christ with my life, right? If, if you've never taken that step to say, I will be a follower of Christ, this invitation first and foremost, it's to you that you can have life and relationship with God in this world, in this life, but for all eternity, that he is more than enough to redeem you. All, like whatever, whatever you understand about sin and its consequences, the story of Jesus is that he has overcome that. And if you trust him, that no longer becomes a worry for you because he's taken care of it. If that is you, take a, take a step of faith and trust him with your life, right? And you can do that as simple as a prayer of just inviting him into your life to be that. If you have questions about that, wanna know more about that, want to take that step with someone, I invite you to do this. In our prayer place right over here, right after the service, just go right over there and you find someone uh, over there. They would be happy to answer your questions, to pray with you, to walk you through whatever you have of that. If you wanna talk to me about that, I'm gonna be right over on this side of the room over here. I invite you to come over and ask me about that. But take that step of faith. 
Secondly, maybe those of you who are a follower of Christ, but what you've noticed, which all of us experience at one moment or another, it's like we're a follower of Christ and we've been in this experience. But isn't it interesting how we can find ourselves at different moments stepping back from that invitation in a daily way? It happens because we just feel like, man, I messed this up so bad. I made like, I just, I need to get things straightened out because I just don't feel right about asking God to help me or bless me because I feel like I've screwed up a little bit in this and I, I need to get things straightened out. And then I'll feel better about, you know, asking God, no, like just put that out of your mind. Like that's the whole point of this story is you don't have to wait. You don't like, in fact, at those moments, and maybe you're saying, gosh, there's this temptation. I mean, when I get control of that, then, then I'll feel, then I'll ask to feel close to God. No, don't, don't wait for that. There's no better time to say, God, I want to step with faith into this invitation to have life in relationship with you when you are struggling the most, whether it's with temptation or whether it's with just some other struggle in life. Maybe it's a relational struggle that you're in. Maybe it's uh, with just uh, choices that you have in life, or maybe it's just because you desire it. Take that step. Be intentional about taking a step forward with God in a daily way. Just invite him because he's invited you. Thirdly, thirdly, I bet we all have people in our lives that don't know Christ yet. And the beauty of this story is, and I won't take time to read it right now, but the shepherds, when they leave uh, that moment that they had with Jesus and Mary and Joseph, Scripture tells us that they immediately go out and the invitation that was given to them, they start extending to others. The invited become the inviters. And I love this about the story of Jesus. All of us who have been invited, who have stepped with faith into this invitation, like we, we're, we were the invited who now become the inviters. We, we've been extended an invitation to extend an invitation. And I just wanna encourage you to do that and to do this in, in the most authentic of ways. You don't have to be, uh, you know, a theological Rhodes Scholar. You don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't, you don't have to have like all the precise, perfect words. You don't have to think of yourself as an evangelist. Like just be you, be the kind of person that says, there's this thing that I'm experiencing with God and it's got this beautiful side. And as I've walked through my struggles and have, and have walked with God and experienced the beauty of it, I see people in my life that I think would also love the experience with this and to do it in the most tangible of ways, right? It's just, it can be as simple as this. Maybe the first step is this, invite them to simply come to the Christmas services, uh, right? Because everyone's gonna be in that place of, of deeper reflection and thinking about their spiritual lives and relationships. There's no better time to invite someone to just take a simple little step than to come to a Christmas. Do that, like invite them to come to that. Maybe ask them the simplest spiritual question that pertains to what they're going through in their life and don't feel like you have to have a profound answer. Just invite them to take a step towards God. Invite them by just just sharing your experience and your care for them. 
and you might find that it just begins drawing them more and more. Be an inviter of what you have gotten to experience because this is the beauty of the Christmas story. There is an invitation and sometimes it's easy to just miss that invitation. But there's a step of faith that we can take to experience the beauty of what Christmas is about, to experience what it is to have that next step of life and relationship with God. That is what we all want and desire. And may you experience that in this coming Christmas season. Now, before I pray and close, let me just say, uh, if you are new here, if you're visiting, it is so good to have you here uh, this morning. I want to invite you. Um, I'm going to be right down uh, over here uh, by that table on the Christmas tree. And I'd love to just shake your hand and welcome you uh, here this uh, uh, morning. If you're new, come on by and visit me. If, um, if you're interested in participating in uh, uh, Christmas at Casas and helping or volunteering in any way, shape or form, I wanna invite you to go back uh, to the tree right back here. And we have some wonderful people that can answer uh, your questions about that and help you uh, with that. And if you want someone to pray for you or you've got questions about what it means to become a follower of Christ, uh, make your way over to our prayer place over here and uh, ask your questions because we've got some wonderful people that would love to help you with uh, that as well. Why don't you all stand and I will, uh, I'll close this in prayer here this morning. Let me, let me pray. Father, we're just so grateful for the invitation that in so many ways really is your son, Jesus Christ. His very life comes as an invitation. And I just pray that we don't miss it, that we don't miss it this Christmas season, we don't miss it this afternoon, that we find that invitation of the truth of you and your son, Jesus Christ, in our own hearts and flowing between uh, relationships that we have and that we become the invited that become inviters of the beautiful good news of your son, Jesus Christ. And we pray this in your son's name, amen. Have a great morning. We'll see you next week.